I'm Evelyn, and I'm a geoholic. Oh man, what a great song. Um, when our guest this evening picked this song, I'm like, I'm going to like this guy. There's no doubt in my mind. Immediately your new best friend. Absolutely. No question. One of my new best friends. <laughs> right. Best friends. Um, episode 187. Welcome back to you, Holics. 187. Man, it seems like uh, 186 was just yesterday, doesn't it? God, it was so long ago. It felt, feels like it was just less than 24 hours and ago. Indeed it was. So um, I normally would expect you to have a good story about right now, but since yeah. I, it's been 24 hours since I've seen you, yeah. anything exciting happen over the course of the last 24 hours uh no i uh took a shower cut yeah. my hair went to work you didn't cut your hair yeah <laughs> there's stubble i cut the stubble <sighs> i still see it you need all a right, new razor all right all right all right <laughs> thought this was a no judgment zone far far from it you know that by now <laughs> oh gosh um What's new with me, you ask? I, Not I, I a did. whole lot, except big news that I saw today. Britney Spears is getting divorced. She is. You know what I was thinking? You, now you got a chance. Oh, I don't think I want a chance with that, to be honest with you. That's like a whole nother level of crazy that uh, I would want no part of whatsoever. I uh, See, I would think the opposite. I would think that you're both crazy enough to work well together. Um, I doubt that to be the case because i think it's two totally different types of crazy yeah they say those things kind of work opposites attract even when it comes to crazy that's right (laughs) (laughs) all right tell us about that opening number there sean oh i know kent was drooling over these guys the misfits a song called london dungeon uh the misfits are an american punk rock band formed in 1977 known for their unique blend of horror themed lyrics punk rock sound and a distinctive image that's an understatement. The band has undergone several lineup changes over the years, with Glenn Danzig being the central figure for much of their history. Throughout their history, the Misfits have left an indelible mark on punk rock and alternative music. Their distinctive visual style and energetic sound have earned them a dedicated fan base and a lasting legacy in the world of punk rock music well done sean well done almost like um, i practiced that iconic band in the punk scene no question no question glenn danzig iconic front man in the punk scene no doubt have, also, have yeah. you seen the misfits live have not have okay. not they did, they did just come through phoenix so i don't know the last month but i think they're playing like in an outdoor venue or something like that and it's 115 here who's going to go see them in an outdoor venue? a bunch of dedicated fan base horror themed horror themed. <laughs> i'm sure i'm sure it was horrible <laughs> but danzig also went out on his own yeah. Oh, yeah danzig had some really yes. good music um i'm a fan but out about it all right um moving on we are in the wisdom wednesday studio uh yeah cut the t- show t- took a break this summer and uh I, I just saw that the wisdom wednesday is go- mm-hmm. is is back coming back strong i think it's this week or next week or uh yep WisdomWednesdays.xyz. Yep. And anybody who doesn't know what Wisdom Wednesdays is, it's a uh, it's a really cool platform that that Trent started. It's basically a book club for surveyors. Um, they take uh, a book, a manual per se, like one of the survey Bibles, and they go through it chapter by chapter, week by week, and they have a little discussion group, that type thing. Really cool opportunity for any surveyor, young, old, anything in between, anybody thinking about surveying, check out Wisdom Wednesdays. All right. Next All right. up, the Airworks Somewhat Random Trivia. 
All right. So uh, this this week or this episode, I uh, was thinking about uh, everybody going back to school because that's what happens. Every all the kids went back to school, so I chose some uh, education related trivia. Sounds boring, but go ahead. All right. Uh, the Shishi High School, located in Chengdu, China, is the world's oldest school, established in 194 A.D. Mm-hmm. The largest school is the city Montessori in Lucknow, India, currently has 56,000 students. That's an elementary school. With 56, How would you students. not just feel like a number in that school? <laughs> right. Um, and back in 2014, there was an elementary school in Turin, Italy, that only had one teacher and one student. Which is the record for the smallest school. That's awesome. Uh, the ch- children in the Netherlands start school on their fourth birthday, so there's always someone new in class. Interesting. A couple more. Kids in Finland don't start school until age seven. In Russia, children always start school on Knowledge Day, which is September 1st, even if it's a weekend or a holiday. Oh, wow. And in Bangladesh, there are about 100 boat schools because there's seasonal flooding and they can't get to uh, a school on land. I want to go to a boat school. Each one of the boat schools has internet access, a library, and is solar powered. That's amazing. And you said that was going to be boring. It was good. It was good. Now, I am a little upset because, as you may or may not know, today is National I Love My Feet Day. I did not know that. And I'm surprised you didn't go with that because this is observed annually on August 17th. This is a day to appreciate how valuable our feet are. But I don't love your feet. To practice good foot care and pamper your feet. Yeah, see, that would be boring for me. (laughs) You don't like a pedicure is what you're telling me. No, 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 no. no. Have you had a pedicure? No. Oh, my. I just don't want somebody touching my toes. I I, I thought I felt the same way. But after I've had a pedicure, I'm like, this is amazing. You would. Yeah. Me and Brittany. <laughs> you and Brittany can go get pedicures <laughs> together on your honeymoon. All right. Uh, next up, we have the Advanced Geodetic Surveys, AGS, Weekly Words of Wisdom. That's right. Um, since we have a surveyor on this evening with us, I went with a surveyor-related uh, quote. This is pretty good. And our surveyor also being from California. This is fitting. Bell Air, I am convinced, was laid out by some diabol- diabolic sadist who deliberately decided not to use a compass or a surveyor. <laughs> I agree. Uh, Groucho Marx Groucho actually <laughs> talked about a surveyor. That's pretty okay. amazing. Pretty amazing. So anyway, speaking of surveyors, speaking of our guests, let's loop in, in with us right now. We have Dennis Rose with us. Dennis, welcome to the Geoholics. Hey, thanks for having me. Great to be here. And in studio. In studio. Dennis flew over this afternoon from his home in Orange County to be with us in person. I did How not cool know we were that cool. <laughs> it was like yesterday. We were emailing back and forth, you know, final details and stuff like that. And uh, Kara Berry, let's make sure we mention her. She was very instrumental in getting this interview set up. I'm like, I send the usual email. Yep. You know, uh, remote podcast, you know, here's the link, blah, blah, blah. And she like, emails me back right away. You know that I've already made airfare arrangements, <laughs> air, you know, air arrangements for uh, for Dennis to be there. Is it still okay? I'm like, oh my God, I missed that. Yes, absolutely. We love when our guests in studio. So oh, absolutely. Thanks for being here, Dennis. This yeah. is awesome. Oh, my pleasure. Thanks for having me, guys. Uh, you bet. So we do start out with an icebreaker every episode. It's this is the, uh, go ahead. The Trimble Pro Point icebreaker. And <laughs> I think this is a really good one. This is going to be one of those would you rather questions. Okay. They're always good. I love these. So Dennis, here you go. You're going to go first. Uh, would you rather 
have a rewind button for your life or a fast forward button? It's got to be rewind. It's not going to look good if I have to fast forward where I'm at. <laughs> yeah. I'm a surveyor and former punk rocker, so uh, I'm going to pay a price in the end. Love it. I'll let you shot. Um, I would rewind. Yeah. Yeah, I was. I would rewind. I as was well. just thinking. Well, I think I was looking at uh, some house that I uh, was. We we're going to do an inspection on, yeah. and it was like at the top of the sunny side or sunny slope sunny mountain, slope? Oh, yeah. like right on the top. Awesome. I mean, awesome house. And then, mm -hmm. of course, I can't afford it. And but I was thinking, like, there is a series of events that <laughs> took place that if I changed about seven things along my life, I yeah. could pos potentially yeah. be in a position to live in that house. So if you re rewound, rewound, I guess, is there a lot you'd change? I mean, I, I don't want to change anything of how it, anything ended up. It just feels like there was some missed opportunities, you mm, know? Interesting. It, it, you know, I probably would have gotten laid a couple more times. Yeah, probably. Probably got a little better grades in school. Probably not. Probably not, you know. <laughs> May have gotten change anything, gotten though, a little, you know? you know. I mean, I had a blast, but yeah. I, I don't know. I just seen. Yeah. I, I wouldn't. I wouldn't want to end up any different, other than maybe some different choices. Sure. At, Fair at, enough. At, at some certain spots. Fair enough. Fair enough. I like. And it. you're a you're a rewind. rewind. I'm a rewind. Yeah, for sure. For sure. Yeah. I don't know. I'm trying to think of advantages of fast forwarding. I don't know if, if there are any. That's like what little kids think of whenever Christmas is like, you know, it's like summer and you're looking forward yeah. to something you're getting at Christmas. That's sure. like people that want to fast forward, right? Yep. Yep. Or if you're like in the middle of something really terrible, you want to get through that. Yeah. 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 Good point. Because like if you're in high school, you're like, you definitely want to fast forward and get to college yes. or whatever. Yeah. yeah. And that's when, that's when I remember it's like, okay, I just, and it was always, I was in middle school. I just, once I get to high school, everything will be better. And then, okay, once yeah. I get to college, everything will be better. And like, once I graduated, it'll all be better. And now yep. it's like, uh, once my kid gets old enough to move out, I guess, I, I don't know. Yeah. But you don't want to fast forward to that. No, I love, I love yeah. my kids. So yeah. I want to, I want to soak all that in. So I think it's probably like, an age thing, you know, like at the age I'm at right now, I definitely don't want to fast forward. <laughs> you want to slow down? <laughs> yeah, I'm thankful for every day at this point, you know. It's too fast as it is. It oh fast God. forward already. No doubt, no doubt. All right, let's move on. Dennis, um, you mentioned you were a punk rocker. You actually brought us a CD. What was the name of the band? One Man Short. One, One Man, man short. short. I'm holding a, a fresh copy. This is a compact disc for those that uh, are unfamiliar with this. Uh, it's it's One Man Short and the album called Of a Dirty Dozen. It's catchy. Yeah. Yeah. I love it. I love it. So you have a great story because the whole punk rock thing ties into you becoming a surveyor. Yeah. Talk a little bit about that that uh, that timeline and what happened there. Well, like most surveyors, nobody in high school told me anything about this profession. And uh, I, I knew I liked technology, so I went into college uh, um, originally as a theater major, believe it or not. And uh, that was just a little uh, too abstract for me once I got to college. So I, I knew how to work on computers and thought CIS was the way to go. And uh, <clears throat> as I uh, got into college, I, I met a couple guys that were into playing music, and we just got together and... Uh, Next thing you know, we're we're playing in bars, for, uh, paying money to play, pretty much, you know, because you don't make money as a punk band in in Southern Missouri in the early '90s. So, um, you know, we 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 just kind of had our day jobs and our night jobs. It was like we were Batman at night, and we'd put on our punk rock uniform and go out and do our thing. And then in the morning, I'd get up and go to my corporate 
job fixing awesome. computers at O'Reilly Automotive's corporate headquarters. So, you know, and, and they all thought I was like a, you know, a, a strange bird there because I'd have weird hair, yet I would have a button down <laughs> collar shirt, you know, and working under your computer, yeah. you know. Um, but uh, as we, as we came out one and vacation in California one time and uh, met a friend out here and he's like, come out. I happened to meet my uh, future wife and, and uh, we moved out nine months later, the three of us. And uh, uh, we kind of one by one fell into the same survey company because, we, awesome. you know, I was totally green. I came out and hooked up a computer network for this, uh, the surveyor that was my buddy got hired on because he went to school for drafting and design. So he's like, hey, I'm drawing maps for this guy. We need a computer network. And this was like my first week when we moved to California. And, all right, well, I'll come over and hook it up. Took me two days. And as I'm walking out on the second day, the owner's like, um, would you like to learn to survey? We need a surveyor. And I was like, uh, yeah, we call people on the phone and ask them questions. Like, yeah, what we're doing? <laughs> like, no, 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 we're out measuring. We're the guys in the street. I'm like, oh, yeah, taking pictures out in the street. You right. know, Because that's what everybody thinks. And, mm -hmm. and uh, uh, yeah, what, what does it pay? And I just remember thinking, mm, I can survive on that. So, sure. And uh, just fell in love with it. You know, it, it changed my life at that point. Um, it was the technology and adventure combined into one plus learning a state you know this this wide-eyed country boy from the hills of southern missouri is now in you know the hills of uh, beverly hills you know it's literally a beverly hillbilly survey and so for 14 years we surveyed cell towers and i was in a different oh, well. on a different mountain site or a mm. different radio tower or a different uh, rooftop because they'd put cell sites on rooftops so we'd go to all these strange places to survey and to do a one day topo boundary and get the hell out of there. Yep. You know, and, and it was just low, low cost. Uh, what I always called the McDonald's of land surveying, mm -hmm. yep. you know, we're just flipping burgers here, you yep. know, and, um, you know, I slowly got my, uh, my drummer and my bass player all involved. So at one point it was all three of us in the band were surveying, we were surveying awesome. punk rock band and, um, you know, it, it was interesting to live together, to work together and make music and, it was really never for money. It was uh, for the love of making music. So sure. I've always been proud that we kept a band together for 10 years without making a dime. Wow. And we moved 2,000 miles right. in the process, you know, right. and still never made a dime. But, yeah. you know, it was done for the, for the fun and for the right. creativity. And, and uh, you know, and that kind of that gave us all something to wake up in the morning and still, you know, maybe your job is a grind. But, yeah. you know, our hobby, our, our thing on the side was always there for us. Right. Do you, uh, do you think you were the only surveying punk rock band at I'd the say, time? I'd say, no. I would say yes. I don't know. It's Southern California in the early two thousands. I found a lot of guys that, that survey like instruments. I, I mean, cause they're creative. I agree with that. Right. Yeah, okay. All right. I've all ran right. into yeah. a lot of map makers, guys, that, you know, there's an art and a science to what we do. Yep. And I think the guys that key in on the art side, they, they play guitars. They, they have, so even in mm -hmm. our, uh, our company right now, I know of at least a half a dozen guys that play instruments, Okay, you know? So I, I think it's kind of a common thread with, yep. with, with truly creative surveyors. Yeah, I agree. That's a great observation. And it's absolutely true. Cause there's a number of surveyors that I know the same thing, you know, they play an instrument of some sort. The other two guys, are they still surveying? Um, no, no, they've, uh, well, he was always more of the office guy. So he was like an idiot savant with, um, he was way higher level math. I actually knew him from kindergarten. Oh, well. grew up all together and he was always a higher level of math than me. Yeah. And so I, once I got into surveying, I was like, Hey man, you know, you know, like, you know, 
angles and stuff. You can figure out these record maps. Mm -hmm. yeah. He just became a record map guru and like able to pick apart a title report and hey, I don't know, this map isn't closing. He'd just set it there, you know, hang it up next to his desk and just type these things by looking at the map. And, oh, yeah, I found out where it's oh, busted awesome. right here. You know, he's just, yeah. you know, it was really spatial like that. And then the drummer was more like a, you know, typical drummer. He he can beat stuff into submission, you know. And, you uh, he was really good in the brush. Right. Hey, hey, Donnie, go get down in there. There's a pipe down in there. I need you to just go down there and start the chopping out of it. Right. <laughs> yeah. That's awesome. Oh man. Um, so, what do you think it was about serving that like just grabbed you? And like, what do you love about the profession? Well, I think um, you know the the challenge. You know, first of all, it was something that I had never heard of. It was so abstract, but at the same time. You know, my grandpa was always into Westerns, you know, but he had never been to California. And then when I got out to California, I'm seeing all these places that I saw in the old Western movies. So being out there, like in the wild, what I always said, we're in the wild west out here, you mm -hmm. know, and to see, you know, learn about California's diversity in their terrain and and then learning about plate tectonics and, and what an epic is and how that affects what we're doing here and say, like, wait a second, this is moving. We're on mm. something that's moving away. Yep. We are falling in the ocean. That isn't just a thing. You know, it's, well, we're already in the ocean. We, you just don't know it yet. We're on the Pacific plate. Yeah. Oh, really? You know, yeah. and like learning that stuff that really wasn't talked about in school. I, I always had kind of an inquisitive, you know, I always said inquiring minds want to know. Mm -hmm. I always want to know, you know, what's going on. So I felt like that ignited my my brain and the physical side. I liked the physicality of of being out in the field. So, mm -hmm. and then it was just just hooked. Just went from there, you know. As the more you get into the advanced problems of surveying, and then you know, like what I do now, setting up uh, large area networks with with GPS and and figuring out like the combination of technology with technique, and then uh, looking back toward the history and understanding how land rights were developed, especially in mm -hmm. California. It's so right. interesting with like the gold rush and then the water grabs that has happened throughout sure. the state, you know, so there's, there's yeah. interesting things. Yeah. And you, something you said there that, that, you know, caught my attention is especially in California, because I think there's probably as much movement there as there is anywhere. I'm assuming anyways. And it's like surveys are literally a snapshot in time. Right. And it's almost damn near impossible to actually repeat them. If you wanted to get very, very technical about it. Right. Right. That's right. Well, yeah. So it, it's again, it's a reference system, right? Uh, that's that's always what I got to keep reminding people that, you know, this is as close as to what we could get this moment in time for that measurement. Yep. We're using a reference point. So, for example, I've been on a, a project in Orange County that the benchmarks, the actual county benchmarks have three epics attached to them. Oh, wow. And, you you know, it's, it's kind of cool, but at the same time, it opens up a can of worms for, did you use the right value on that disc? Yeah. Right. You know, and sure enough, I mean, I've waved my hands to the utility saying, hey, guys, uh, we started this on a certain epic. Just so you know, you use the same control value. Yeah. You need to use this value. Mm -hmm. And sure enough, they stumbled and bumbled their way through that mm -hmm. and used exactly the wrong, you know, so the what, the rights the, of all the, the easements and everything mm -hmm. was attached to the old 1991.35 epic and then the LIDAR guy came in and flew all the existing conditions on the 2007 Epic and they were off two and a half feet Yep, and mm. uh, everywhere, you know, yeah. and, and the good, good news is I could kind of backward, put it back into where it needed to be because that area didn't have 
micro uh, fractures or, or, or uh, micro faults that kind of yeah. cause different trajectory and stuff. So, so but learning how to do that kind of surveying, I think, is what separates, especially in Southern California, because, mm -hmm. the, you know, basically, if you're kind of, you know, kind of south and west of that fault line, that's the major affected area. Mm -hmm. As we cross the desert and get across the San Andreas fault right, line, yeah, yeah, it then stabilizes. Right, right. Yeah, you're on this side of the, yeah. the divide there. Yeah. Interesting. And we ran a project that crossed that fault line mm. and I could never, you can't get it to close. It, oh, wow. It doesn't, you, you can't it, because it's constantly moving there. I mean, mm. there, I, I'm sure there's somebody on your podcast that's going to tell us how we can get it to close, but Brian Fisher, <laughs> Brian Fisher. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> there's some issues and my feeble little mind and our group wasn't going to figure it out. So we figured a workaround yeah. for the utility company that had, you know, needed control tied together on both sides. It's yeah. almost like a station equation. Yeah. Well, know? not every survey is a surveyor is a geodesist. Right. You know, and that's that's whole nother level stuff. Yes, for yeah. sure. Yeah, you'll get a call from Brian about an hour after you post this episode of yeah. of yeah. everything that yeah. that you said wrong and you said wrong yeah. and well, here's how you should do right, it. Right. And, yeah. Yeah. And I heard that episode with Brian, so I, Brian, I do concede. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. You need both. All right. Talk about your company a little bit. GIS Surveyors. Yeah. So GIS Surveyors, you know, we're a pure geospatial firm. Uh, we got about 65 people. Um, we're kind of scattered around. Uh, COVID did that to us, right? Mm -hmm. We learned about remote. Uh, so our office kind of people are, are scattered about, but but all our boots on the ground, our field guys are all in California. We got 11 survey crews from Redding, California, which is about an hour from the northern border to uh, uh, you know, deep San Diego, about an hour from the Mexican border. So mm. that's what it takes to cover. You know, I, it takes me 15 hours to drive from my my Poway headquarters to my crew in Reading. Wow. <laughs> and we're still in the same state. Right. So crazy, right? Yeah. change time zones. Yeah, <laughs> no. And it, it becomes kind of a logistical, you know, uh, Rubik's cube, if you will, of sure. how you can get people at the right spot. But, you know, our, our primary focus being geospatial in support of public utilities and large-scale infrastructure, like okay. DOT. So, um, you know, primarily what we're most proud of at GIS Surveyors is that, that we help the, the utility industry with public safety. One thing we're a part of is the Pipeline Safety Enhancement Program in California that replaces aging infrastructure. We've been working since 2019 on about a 40-mile gas pipeline replacement in San Diego. It's a 16-inch gas pipe that's been there 80 years that was running underneath people's homes. Oh, wow. And, and we're we're now putting that gas pipe in the public right-of-way underneath paved way mm -hmm. and, you know, putting um, – they put a lot of uh, – advanced features to help with uh, when they uh, ad advance warning or the instant they lose pressure in that pipe, they can have these actuators shut off valves mm. and make it so, you know, if there is a gas leak, it's it's shut off almost mm. instantly, you know. And so that's the enhancements that, you know, this pipeline safety enhancement program since 2014, our company's been involved with that. And so that's on the gas side of things. Mm -hmm. And then on the electric side of things, we do a lot with the veg management team, uh, fire management, you know, which is actually kind of a, uh, a pertinent conversation with what happened in, in yeah, Hawaii definitely. and um, I think what's going on in, in Canada, Canada right now. Yeah. You know, I don't know what started that fire, but I can tell you that 
the majority of the biggest fires in California were started by public utilities. Mm -hmm. So, I mean, that's I'm sure you guys had a busy, what was that? Uh, 2020 when that went, uh, yeah. when that was crazy. Yeah. And yeah, well, it seems like every year there's something like that going on. What, so what role does survey play in that, in this, the safety Vegetation aspect of, management? Yeah. yeah. So there's a number of things, um, you know, let's just start with data acquisition, first of all, cause our LIDAR team, uh, we, we have uh, LIDAR processing teams are very agnostic to what kind of data they can process. They can process any type of sensor. So we have people, partners throughout uh, the nation and even internationally that will collect data and then they get it in the can and they realize they don't have the manpower to process it. So our expertise in processing large-scale LIDAR data is used for veg vegetation management purposes for all kinds of power utilities, not just for fire threat reasons, but also just outages. Like uh, in a hurricane down in Florida, it's probably not going to start a fire, but it will cause major outages if your vegetation is growing into your lines. Mm. So using LIDAR and and um, they have a program, um, we work for all uh, three of the big power utilities in California, and each of them have a little bit different flavor of program. But um, in general, they will fly those lines uh, every year collecting LIDAR data, and then they're looking for uh, change analysis and spatial uh, analysis to tell you what trees are, are growing into the line so they can go out and trim them before they become a problem. Mm -hmm. And, you know, it's it's they can't trim all the trees every year. So there's an analytical aspect to it. It's not just, hey, this tree is you know, this much closer than that tree. So go for it. Yeah. But that tree's growing at such a slower rate mm -hmm. that actually okay. the tree that's farther away is going to be into the line before that one. So How do they know that? It's about species recognition. So LIDAR can not only tell the species, it can also tell the, the content of water inside the tree if it's dead or dying. So we'd have dead and dying tree analysis as well. And then not only that, fall-in analysis. So, mm. you know, think about like a 30-foot tree. If it's 40 feet away from your line, you may think it's okay, but you may be thinking on a flat plane. What if that tree is up mm -hmm. higher than yep. your power pole on a on a hillside? Oh. You know, mm -hmm. and now when it okay. falls, the swing is a different has a different radius to it. So, you know, by using geospatial uh, analysis uh, tools, GIS, Esri products, mm. dashboards, and different analytical thing tools that we've developed for the power utilities they can now really be strategic with what they're going out there and cutting because they have mm -hmm. a limited amount of resources and the trees oh, sure. grow every year yep. yeah. you know because you'll just turn around and start this program again next year and the next year and the next year so. wow so even, awesome. even if you have like a really wet winter that's what you think would be in a less active fire season that actually doesn't mm. then you get more tree growth than you would expect which causes the fires and it's that's 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 wild yeah yeah so yeah. Do you guys do the data acquisition as well so we do varied levels of data acquisition most of the time i don't own helicopters and planes okay it's just we aren't pilots you know we're better focused on being the data guys you know and so uh we do terrestrial scanning you know we do you know indoors mm -hmm. outdoors uh more localized and what we'll do is use a terrestrial scanner to infill areas that may be under a bridge areas that the overhead can't can't get mm -hmm. but you know in general what we found works best is that there's a market and a need for people to process this data because of the sheer man hours involved mm -hmm. you know and i think you know, a lot of companies that collect data, especially if you're maybe even a smaller drone company and you get a big LiDAR point cloud and it's like, well, now you need to process that to the, the utility spec. Yep. 
well, do you have 3000 hours? Because that's what it's estimated to take, wow. you know, and it's like, well, we have certain people that can do that in the time frame that you need, you know? And right. so that's where we try to fit in with a need. Mm-hmm. And because there's plenty of big firms that have the, the helicopters and the fixed wing aircraft and, and the, uh, the LIDAR and, and it seems to be guys that want to fly. That's what they want to do. Sure. They don't want to process the data. Yep. They find out that's the nitty gritty, dirty stuff that is not fun. Flyboy stuff. So are you processing data just for your specific clients or do you process like other people's data as well? Yes. Everybody's data. Okay. Yep. yep. And I like to say that if it comes to power utility, LIDAR models, all roads lead to us. Cause we got the team that we've been able to keep together. I mean, if you keep, if you, if you can think about it like this LIDAR used to have kind of this um, ebb and flow to it, a season when it was hot and a season when you'd have to lay a bunch of guys off. So teams would, would, would flex up and then disappear. And so hmm. all the, uh, the, the different uh, uh, resources and ways that you train guys didn't, mm-hmm. uh, they don't come out, they don't, you don't retain that. So yep. You win an award, it's got to be processed in three months. Well, it takes two months to get your team to that clip that you need to be have mm. it done in three months. So we already have that team that's rocking, ready to go, knows um, most of the, the power utility specifications already for how they want this stuff classified. Mm. And that's that's half the battle right there. And so we're just going to be cheaper. We're going to do it faster. And it's kind of a no-brainer, especially because we're a service-disabled veteran-owned small business, which is gives uh, special credits uh, for these larger firms to use us oh, okay. you know, for the processing, yeah. sure. for the power utilities. You know, mm-hmm. so so I think that's why we're kind of a darling in that area because we got what they need and we satisfy, we check enough boxes off that they're willing to give us some money for that stuff. Yeah, right. So what happened in Maui, um, I don't know how much, you know, you know about that situation, but it was my understanding. I had heard that it was caused by downed power lines. Yeah. So, so for now, listen, this is uh, news sources that, you know, I'm sure this is an ever growing thing. And definitely, you know, my heart goes out. I I don't want to make light of any of the the situation over there. Uh, I was there a little over a year, a year and a month ago. Uh, in the exact area that this happened. Every place that I went to in Lahaina is gone. The house we stayed at, every restaurant we were at, the brewery we were at, everything. I was looking at the aerial and just couldn't believe that that spot's gone, that spot's gone, everything. And I do remember when I was out there, you know, being, this is my business. I look at power lines everywhere I go. Look at that power line. That's a weird tower, you know? And I just noticed when I was out there, in many cases, it was like, um, the power lines and the trees were just intertwined, you know, and, and it, you know, I think when Hawaii's wet, it's probably not an issue. Right. And, mm. and I think as things dry out, that's where you don't know how quickly they can become an issue. I yep. think. And, um, you know, so some of the preliminary reports are that they had a plan. Uh, the state was trying to put together a plan for this Hawaiian electric company to c- come up with a fire mitigation plan and, mm. and it never got approved. And we're talking, I think it was less than 200 million. Well, now we got a 7 billion at least mm. price tag and mm-hmm. besides the lives lost, you yep. know. And so in California, you know, the California Public Utility Commission just they're just probably the best in the nation for being advanced mm-hmm. on what they require of the public utilities and well, 
unfortunately, Maui is, is only the biggest um, or the most life lost in a fire like this, uh, second to the PG&E fire that yeah. happened where they burned paradise down, mm, you know, yeah. and, and so, you know, the California Public Utility Commission is definitely hot on making sure. these guys have a fire plan. They have to turn it in every year, uh, revise it every year, turn in a new plan. And, and you know, there's some pretty advanced um, regulations that I don't think are like that anywhere else in the nation right mm -hmm. now. And I think you're going to start seeing that on a federal level, honestly, sure. um, especially when, you know, now I think a lot of people saw this as a California problem, maybe. Mm, and sure. I think Denver got a dose of it yep. uh, a little while, you know, a couple of years ago or a year or so ago. And I think, you know, I've, I've had people down uh, Florida light and power tell me the same thing. It wasn't as much about fire it was about uncontrolled outages during, during big storms. Um, you know, and, and there's a lot of people that, um, are saying, why didn't they turn the, you know, the, the reports are that there was a lot of failed, um, you know, grid, grid alert, grid alarms during, uh, like two hours or so before the fire and they didn't shut off the power, but, Shutting off power has to be strategic. You sure. can't oh, just yeah. shut the power off and and uh, eliminate elim uh, you know services such as hospitals mm -hmm. and people on respirators that you know got to got to maintain some level of stability. So I think at the point of that the fire's there, it's already too late. Yep. I think, and that's where the the companies, the the investor owned utilities that we work for in California, they're ahead of the game because they know that. Yeah, and, and well, they've been sued. And, you sure. know, and I, yep. unfortunately, it takes, you know, something like this to be a kick in the pants to get, you know, the right people doing the right thing. Well, the same that. thing with Hawaii. It, it yeah. might be that that realize it's not just a California issue. Yeah. Yeah. And I think, you know, there, there's a lot of talk about the the climate change as, as this being a more common thing, you know, because it's something we we are seeing at a, at a higher interval. But mm -hmm. it, it's probably also just because of population growth, too. Right? Well, that's what I was going to say as population spreads out because more and more people are working remotely. There's more and more transmission lines being built and uh, there's going to be more and more need for the services you provide, I would think. Yeah, I think there's, um, I've been liking it to an arms race in California because uh, PG&E, because in response to the Paradise Fire has made a declaration, they're going to underground 10,000 miles of overhead power lines, mm. 10 years. That's a thousand miles a year. Well, wow. nobody's ever done it. I think it'd that's crazy. Be amazing when they do it, if they do it. <laughs> yeah, because, right. Uh, you know, it, it's it's quite an undertaking. They're gonna they're gonna try real hard to make that happen. You know, oh. and so I see this being a constant suck of 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 geospatial resources, undergrounding resources, underground mm -hmm. utility locating. All this is gonna go toward California, especially in Northern California. Mm. And, and, you know, I think, uh, you know, as uh, the other big utility firms in, in California realize, hey, we got we to gotta do the same thing. You know, it, it, it's never been a better time to be a utility surveyor in California. Yeah, right. Sounds yeah. like it. Yeah. Yeah. Do you guys do any utility locating type Yeah, services? so that's something as well. You know, we used to sub that work because it, it, you know, in the design phase, you will get a request and I would just sub it. And I think at one point mm -hmm. we were just like, well, we, we could be much more efficient. We bring it in house. So over the past couple of years, we've started doing what I uh, call dual use crews, where I have the chainman is the utility locator, hmm. and the party chief is obviously the survey expert. Interesting. And so they can kind of help each other, and and you can send you can get two crews out of one basically if you do it like that and yeah. do it right. So maybe I shouldn't let all my uh, yeah. No, you're you're kind of like oh, I can. 
you do that. You can do that. You can do that. Are you guys using like uh, GPR? Yeah. So GPR is still kind of rough because of the yeah. soil conditions. It's hit or miss. You know, yeah. it, mm -hmm. still your trusted best thing is the radio locating. If you know what you're doing, you know, mm -hmm. there, there's a lot of ways to do it with a radio that GPR is just going to be a, a limiter from time to time. The soil conditions in California does not play well with uh, the soil conditions. So. Interesting. And the name of the company, GIS Surveys, do you do GIS related uh, surveys yeah, so, or mapping? So that's a big part of our um, fire mitigation team more in the south. They've been working uh, with uh, San Diego Gas and Electric for many years, um, helping with the uh, uh, their fire mitigation understanding of the strategies involved, such as uh, this is a high fire threat area. Um, but we know this jurisdiction takes two years to get it built. So we have to, you know, to get it approved. So we have to mm -hmm. create a, a program that keeps the flow of the work going, even with jurisdictional roadblocks, because they can't just take a two-year hiatus on mm -hmm. their progress of what they're doing here. And a lot of it is, it's a process of, of turning a wood pole into steel, mm -hmm. of uh, undergrounding in some areas of, you know, some most power lines are just bare conductor out there so mm -hmm. um when they put them in cable they are a sheath you know like a normal extension cord mm -hmm. they call it covered conductor so believe mm -hmm. it or not just doing that can mitigate so much fire risk so wow. they have these different programs and what we do with gis is you know it's really a bit of asset management mm -hmm. along with um taking everybody's plans from all these different programs and overlaying them into some kind of um you know a dashboard or some kind of easy reference so you can say hey we're going to go work on this poll um uh next year what other programs have got work in this area and then you'll find out oh they're currently replacing it now for this other program mm. so why would we even focus our efforts on this we're wasting our time you know and believe it or not that's a big problem with the power utilities because they're really siloed up with all their different programs like you know hey this this program is designed to put fiber on top onto the power poles well some power poles need to be replaced to put that fi fiber line on it so they're replacing poles there this this uh, department is replacing poles that maybe have been hit by a drunk driver, you know, and has a problem. They're correcting pole maintenance. So there'll be a new pole put out there because of that group. And so when you have all these groups doing their thing, you don't realize that all the, all the overlap. And now we've done a bunch of engineering because we flew this LIDAR a year mm -hmm. ago, but six months ago, they've replaced <laughs> the pole. Right. And so now we get out there with our our team and realize uh, we're about to replace a pole that was just replaced. Yeah. You know? So I think that's where GIS comes in. It's it's really a function of asset management, you know. And then they take all the plans from all these different engineers and they put it into this geospatial database. So there's some correcting of getting, you know, believe it or not, everybody doesn't use the same datum. You know, it's just that same datum problem I mentioned earlier. Sure, you know, yeah. how how do you get stuff to look right when it's kind of spatially incorrect right big right. icons yes yeah yeah, yeah. yeah you can hide underneath yeah. that big yeah. icon yeah you know and then and then the enterprise gis uh systems for these utilities they were never um that accurate to begin with because they were created out of red line drawings or or different plans that somebody kind of rubber sheeted into yeah it looks kind of like it goes in here you know so we've found a lot of their assets being off by a thousand feet well wow. Even if you want to go fly at LIDAR, they use the GIS asset location as the center line of their flight. Well, they were missing 
the yeah. power poles that oh, yeah. they even wanted to capture. So we'd come back to the come back to the design team. And they're like, "What are we looking at?" Because I don't see any power poles in this. And they're like, yeah. "Yeah, the GIS was off." So we've actually been through a process of com- of updating their GIS locations. And this is this is how technical it is. Uh, Google Maps. Google Earth and looking at Street View and going, hey, the pole is way back. It's over here. It's next to you the know? trash can over there. Not obviously, the... it's not survey grade, but that's not even the issue here. In, because, in some cases, it doesn't need to be, right? No, because, I mean, a, a pole has a, a width to it already, right? So you're yeah. already, what, a foot tolerant at the best, mm-hmm. you know, if you're just talking about the sheer the physicality of the feature. But, you know, for these, just for the purpose of them flying their lines, they just needed to be within 10 feet and they would have got it right. Right. You know, so I think that's, that's really kind of the down and dirty GIS correction that you can do to get it. So now the LIDAR can be flown and now the LIDAR can use, be used to correct up and true up the actual asset location. So it's a process, you know, just like most things. I love the folks at Bad Elf. Bad Elf GNS receivers deliver affordable accuracy through easy-to-use hardware supported by continuously evolving firmware, apps, and cloud services. Founded in 2010, Bad Elf created the first made-for-iOS external GPS accessory and now enables high-performance location services for all mobile platforms. Man, that's amazing. Did you also know that all of your new GNSS receivers can be accurate, affordable, and flexible? The Bad Elf Flex offers a trailblazing survey-grade receiver that delivers consistent accuracy at a highly affordable price. I'm going to stress affordable price. Yeah. You got to check it out. Many people think companies go into business to create products and services, but at Bad Elf, they strive to create loyal customers. To find out more, simply go to badelf.com and let them know that Geoholic sent you for the baddest discounts available. Yeah, we've had some folks on before um, that worked in the Sioux you know, industry. And what continues to blow my mind is how bad, as a country, our infrastructure records are. Mm-hmm. It's horrible. Yeah. 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 And I think, you know, it's because there was a bunch of paper, a bunch of paper plans, right? Yep. And I and I think also what I've experienced in all our underground projects is that the as-built process mm. was deeply flawed, mm-hmm. okay? Because it was a red line process on a paper plan, yep. you mm-hmm. know? So, you know, there's a mm-hmm. number of... Uh, elements that can introduce error into that system when it's based on a paper plan with human red lines and nobody ever really probably even took out a tape measure. There's not any dimensions on it. It's just, mm-hmm. no, it doesn't go this way. It goes that way. Oh, so yeah, yeah, yeah. And, just big old, big old mark. Oh yeah. Just jumps on the other yeah. side of the street for a little, yeah, that, that's very common. So we're yeah. working with a company now um, and they're called 4M Analytics and they're going to have to give me a bonus for dropping their name right there. But uh, they're, <laughs> they're they're really good uh at overhead um uh using satellite data and change detection to help true up the underground utility locations so hmm. these uh we've used these guys in areas like Caltrans where um we couldn't get out there and do locating in the freeway you know and so we did locating on the side of the freeway up to where we couldn't go out there with our locator. And then I had 4M go through their utility database and through, they basically have a database of all of California, all the public utilities already geospatially and, you know, to some accuracy level. It's usually not going to be on the datum you need. So what I experienced was I got their product, 
and I just trued it up with my utility locating. And now you got a, a water line. You can see where it comes toward the freeway and then continues across and goes out the other side, you know, and um, using them, uh, their technology with not only um, they're taking those plans, but then they look at satellite ancient archival ancient yeah 20 years ago <laughs> right <laughs> ancient satellite technology and they would look at the images and find out where trench scars were when construction things so they were looking for signs it's similar to like what we do for surveyors when we're looking for um, property corners getting a pedigree and trying to figure out like hey there was supposed to be something coming through here where what what's that trench right there you know mm -hmm. and there was a trench scar here so we think it's a, up a little bit more from where the plans show it so i would say that you know they they have the quality levels in underground locating like a b c and d and you know i would say they're getting us a, a great like a c plus quality level right off right from the office before you ever have to go out oh, really so so you know that's helping to streamline i think you know right now they're doing a state at a time they started with texas they got california they got colorado and i'm not trying to uh, hawk any other stuff here but i can tell you that that's the future of where this is going um as far as you underground utility interesting yeah yeah you mentioned that company i'm like i swear to god we had somebody on from 4m Really? I can't find the episode now. Yeah. I'm like, oh, that's going to drive me crazy. Yeah. yeah. But, I, but I remember that, you know, when they were talking about, um, you know, the records that they have, like you were talking about. Is that it, the, was that the fiber guy? Yeah. The fiber guy. Yeah. yeah it wasn't for him. It wasn't for him. No. no. So they did a lot of the same thing though. But it, same it, type in yeah. fiber, like they, they had right, the right. Na nationwide network of fiber everywhere. Yeah, yeah. And then, and we're just selling that database to everyone. That's the that hardest one to locate, right? Fiber has almost no features in, right. in it yeah. that is located. And that's why he was saying that is yeah. that no one can find it. So yeah. someone's got to keep it and we're the people that keep it. Geotel. Yeah. Yes, Geotel. Yes, yes, yeah, exactly. Same type thing. So yeah. like, find, like, is that, like, you're talking about like serving cell towers and stuff like that. I mean, is, is that considered a utility? I guess it is. Yes. No. Yeah. I mean, especially when I started 20 years ago, they didn't consider it a utility and it's definitely not, it's not regulated like the utilities. Oh, okay? sure. Yeah. Right. I mean, it's, the telecom is regulated to some level, but in California, the, the public utility commission doesn't regulate them like they do the power utilities. So, or, or, you know, water, gas, uh, that's all seems like another level. I'm sure somebody, one of your listeners may correct us and what it is now, but, but in my mind, you know, when I was doing cell surveys, it was more like a, a luxury item still, you know, around mm -hmm. 2001, was that when the iPhone was invented? Like smartphones were still pretty early on when I started surveying mm -hmm. those cell towers. When they still called yeah. them cell towers? Yeah. Cell towers. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Interesting. Um, so what, like from a technology perspective, I mean, how, what advancements are taking place that makes your job easier? Well, I think AI is, is probably the biggest one. Well, that's happens. the, that's where we wanted to go. I know I wanted to ask is yeah. when you were talking about the processing yeah, and the 3000 man hours yeah. it takes to process that, are you seeing any advancements from AI that you can see reasonably going to take that down or, or save some steps or. Yeah, that's definitely, um, it's, it's coming, it's on its way. So, you know, we've got a couple sandbox environments where we are testing out a couple different AI platforms. And, uh, the beauty is we have a lot of people's data and have a lot of it to compare, sure. you know, and, and really that's the crux of AI. It needs more data to, to learn. If, and if you can think about this, you know, data, the auto extraction, um, 
it's it's looking at objects in a 3D form. If it doesn't have a 3D form to reference, then it's going to have problems with that. If it let's just say if it's like a catalog of items on these power poles that it's supposed to identify, but the catalog is 2D. The catalog is a picture. Mm -hmm. It's not a 3D point cloud catalog that shows oh, exactly yeah, what yeah. that object shape. So is. when they try to compare it, it's not comparable. It's, yeah, it's just not how the AI thinks yet. Sure. Okay? And so that's that's a hurdle that's got to be figured out, and, and it's probably just a matter of time. Okay. To be totally as we as we see companies build up, especially you know, especially in the utility industry, it's very. Uh, specialized equipment that these this point cloud you know you have to identify out of this point cloud a, a capacitor a uh, some kind of little uh, uh, bolt on thing that you know I don't even know what it's called but you know these engineers all know what it what sure, it is yeah. you know and the the human eye can see that and kind of uh, know that because we have a real good uh, spatial way of turning a two D object into a three D in our mm -hmm, mind mm -hmm. right and for whatever reason AI is not there yet so. I think that's, uh, to me, that's going to be the big hurdle. I think, you know, for veg management, we don't need all the engineering spe specifications. So veg management's a little bit more, is this a tree? How close is it? Right. You know? Yeah. And then the, um, the other stuff like, uh, the, um, engineering that's way behind because uh again like what i said identifying all those very specific items so we're mm -hmm. seeing uh, enhancements in speed turnaround time for veg management which is critical because we have to get those things turned around in a timely manner so uh engineering will be there it okay. will be on uh coming and then you'll see the time cut down right now it's causing a lot of qaqc so we do you know you go through and you look at these files uh you know the human might miss a group of things, AI is going to miss it randomly. And that's kind of another Isn't that trick. a little more scary? Isn't that a little scary? A little more you random. really don't know what, you know, right. you can kind of predict where. I think human mistakes are predictable. Yeah, right? sure. It's like, because it, it's a pattern. Right. Yeah. And you think like the human that's probably processing it, whereas AI, who knows how it's thinking, right? So are you saying AI is not perfect? We created it. Anything we create is not perfect, right? <laughs> Including people. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> what about data management? I mean, it sounds like that would be a challenge for what you do. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, it is really what separates the the, the big players from the small players. Um, you know, being able to move uh, terabytes. There's something now beyond the terabyte. I really? I leave that to my hmm. my egghead ladder guys, but they they're moving data, uh, so much data every day, just uploading and downloading. Uh, you know, downloading the data from the client, uh, uploading the finished product back to the client oh we just got to review it well you got to download it review mm. it you know so uh we have really good uh fiber connections at all our offices you know and uh yeah it's it's a lot of cloud based now so those uh, like azure systems up in the cloud that um you know now you can just rent a, a mainframe that's up in the cloud that can do it's a lot crazy. of your processing you know so um yeah it that's the expensive side really is all is moving all that data i think well, it's a software. It's a petabyte. There it is. A petabyte? A petabyte. <laughs> yeah. A Peter Cox byte. Yeah. Uh, it's a petabyte, exabyte, zettabyte, yodabyte, and brontobyte. What's the biggest? Uh, on this list, brontobyte. Brontobyte. Is a, like the brontosaurus. Oh, my. Right? That is hilarious. I had no yeah. idea. Yeah. It's a, thou it's a thousand 
a thousand, a thousand, a thousand, a thousand over a terabyte. It's six. That's six times eighteen zeros more than a terabyte. Holy crap! I had no idea. <laughs> You're a wealth of knowledge, there, Sean. I know. <laughs> Petabyte. That's hilarious. Yeah. I'm sure it's yeah, petabyte no, no, or no animals were harmed in creating. Yeah. Right. <laughs> but on the hardware side, though, I mean, the computers that you guys have to have to manage this, I'm sure, is pretty costly as well. It's yeah. Like a V8 engine in another yeah, office right. just to run it all. <laughs> the software is amazing. You know, the software now, it, it, it's doing things just like you guys were talking about your podcast software. There's a way it can do the downsampling and things so your computer can handle it a little bit better. Mm -hmm. It's just, it's all in the programming now, you know, and I think I'm surprised with how much we can do with, you know, not needing just the gnarliest computers. That, yeah, because otherwise you just wouldn't be able to afford it, I don't think. Yeah. Uh, so so it's it, the trick is the software, and that's why it's expensive. So uh, we ask this a lot, uh, and we get different different opinions, but uh, it's the, you mentioned like the arms race, for oh, yeah. example. What do you think is lagging behind? Is it the hardware or software in your space? Which the, Does the software need to catch up with the hardware or the other way around? I think the hardware is there. I feel like the hardware, you know, these LIDAR sensors are unbelievable. Mm -hmm. and, and they're getting penetration through vegetation that I just did not think was possible yep. just 10 years ago. I got to know how it can tell the moisture content of the in the tree. Well, I mean, think is about, it a density thing? Yeah. Or, so uh, think about how light reflects and refracts off of things. And, and you know, a, a tree that is heavy laden with moisture is going to reflect the light differently than one that's almost styrofoam because it's so dry you know and so from, i i i don't i don't claim to know how lasers work completely but this is what i understand okay, okay. Yeah. all right it's a, just about because if you think about what lidar is it's it's light detection and ranging well the light detection is intensity you know, and that's how they can figure uh, out yeah. color and stuff. Right. So it's really yeah. about how hard that light bounces back off of that surface. Mm -hmm. And that the software knows what that is because of the way it, the, it comes back into the sensor. So is it tell is it telling you the species of the tree based on the color or the shape of the leaves or some crazy combination of all these things? Uh, it's a crazy combination because it's uh, a logarithms in the in the software now because the software is getting to where it it's auto uh, detecting that stuff now. Well, so, if yeah. you believe it. If you can believe it. Yeah, you can believe it. Could be, well, you've seen Wizard of Oz. There's a guy behind the curtain just pulling some levers, yeah. you know, and making it happen. Oh, yeah, that's an elm tree for sure. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, the software says it was. Right. Yeah. yeah, so there's a lot of just believing in magic. Uh, sure. There's a little bit of that. Yep. which Ghost think, in the machine. You know, and I think that can make some, you know, the very traditional surveyors shy away from this kind of work, you know, because it, mm. it is kind of a pushing the limits of what you know all the time, you know, and we're mm -hmm. supposed to practice and survey in areas that we consider ourselves expert, experts, right? So, yeah, you know, and that's really where you're trying to stay on top and be an expert in stuff that is just brand new off the, off the mm -hmm. shelf, you know, going to all these conferences and stuff and listening to weird guys talk about stuff you have no idea what they're talking about, but trying right. to soak it up and then knowing, well, now I got to go read this book, yeah. you know? And so, you know, the key is hiring experts. You yeah. know, we hire well, our top end guys all know our experts in their field and what they do and love what they do. And that's the only way you can kind of go after this advanced stuff. If it was just me, I would probably stick to just the boundary stuff. <laughs>
you know, the legal part of it. Yeah. Cause I understand that part. That's my expertise, you know, so I got to rely on my experts and, and just try to keep up with their knowledge. Yeah. So the processing of this, all this data, does it fall under the definition of land surveying in California? Well, there's still some gray area there, like most laws, right? So, um, if it's going to be controlled on the ground, it definitely is. Mm -hmm. Um, so, Mm -hmm. you know, and that's, that's just a debate of the project parameters because of veg management, they're usually using the center thread of the existing power poles that they've already surveyed as their control. So if you think about it, hey, we're going to fly this line every year. Well, that line is the same line. So we're just going to anchor this data set to that line again. We already have the LIDAR from the previous year. We can made it up. doesn't need new ground control. Yep. You may not need any ground control because it's all differential. Right. All we care about is how close the tree is to the pole, mm-hmm, not right. where it is in absolute space. So it's again using the product for what it's designed for. If you take that veg management, you know, product and try to use it for engineering, it ain't gonna work because somebody didn't control it on the ground. And mm-hmm. so to me, not controlled on the ground, that's not a land survey. That's that's uh, remote sensing, you know, mm-hmm. and that was what it used to be called back in the day before it was LIDAR, you know, and there's there's not even photogrammetry to this anymore. It's it's pure lidar uh, yep. sensory. So um, once you start controlling it on the ground, that's where I've seen guys have problems. Um, you know, you can tell quickly guys that know what they're doing because their models um, fit together and are really tight and not much error. And then the guys that are using I call mapping grade mm-hmm. GPS receivers, they they don't. Uh, the the lidar data tends to be what I call fuzzy or almost like it's out of focus. Noisy. Yes, and yep. so it's it definitely is. You got to have a surveyor work that knows what he's doing to get that stuff right at that point. Sure, and that is definitely land surveying. Yeah, no question. Hey there, Kent. Can we talk about Trimble for a second? We sure can. All right, Trimble Geospatial provides solutions that facilitate high-quality, productive workflows and information exchange for a global and diverse customer base of surveyors, engineering and GIS service companies, governments, utilities, and transportation authorities. That was a mouthful, my friend. Trimble's innovative technologies include integrated sensors, field applications, real-time communications, and office software for processing, modeling, and data analytics. Yeah, using Trimble Solutions, organizations can capture the most accurate spatial data and transform it into intelligence to deliver increased productivity and improved decision-making. Trimble Geospatial pioneering the future of data intelligence, converging people, product, and place seamlessly to help you make your mark and leave your legacy. They also put on a really great party. Yes, they do. Trimble Dimensions will be there next year. Absolutely. To find out more, go to geospatial.trimble.com. So like people that you look to hire, like what specific skill set or skill, yeah, do they, do they need to, to have? Yeah. So the beauty of our company, um, you know, we don't have engineering, but we have all the aspects of geospatial. So we have a LIDAR department that, that, uh, I think those people, their best quality is quick clicking like gamers. They like to sit in front of a computer all day and click a million dots a day, you know, and they like to kind of put together a picture from just nothing, you know? Um, so skills there is, can you sit on your butt for, you know, 10 hours straight? Now you're talking to right. this generation. There you go. There you go. <laughs> 
then you got your then you got your land surveyors out in the field and i need cowboys out there because the terrain in california especially where some of these uh power sites are you're you're getting in a canyon you're going to a mountaintop it's gonna get hairy you know mm -hmm. and so i definitely need the guys that are self-starters and kind of good out there on their own you know different sure. different skill set completely the gis guys uh, they are not the quick clicker guys. So the GIS department are more the thinkers of geo data, you know, and they are, they can look at a big data set and really wrap their mind around the whole thing and, and, and pick out little pieces. And, and, and so it's a different, again, creative, but analytical in the way they think. And then, uh, the utility locating guys, those, those are your problem solvers. So those are the guys that get on site and go, um, you know, man. I know there's a pipe here, but I cannot get it. There's no tracer wire and the GPR won't work because of the soil. Mm -hmm. We got to figure out another way to figure out where this thing is. Right. And then you see some, well, why is some weeds growing over here? And then, oh, well, that's connected to that hose bib. And then that's got to be here. And before you realize it, they backed away into where, or they backed into a location of a water line yeah. that w otherwise could, no one would have found. So we get a real cool mix of people, you know, and mm -hmm. I think... Um, I think that's why I, I, or at least why I know that's why I enjoy working for our company is because I get to kind of see all these different skill sets working together. And, and really it is all, I've had many projects where all of four of our disciplines are hand in hand on hmm. this project. And it's kind of fun to watch them each have their expertise and how it goes together in the final product. Sure. So how do you find, uh, how do you find people? I mean, are you, are, is this, are you still in a space where it's hard to find Oh, yeah. experienced technical staff and how do you guys recruit? I mean, how do you, how do you continue to grow? It's yeah. difficult. Well, it's you know? so unique what you're doing yeah. too. Yeah. And, and it's, it's things like this. I mean, that's why I'm willing to fly out here to, to be in your podcast studio is because, you know, we, we're out here getting the word out. You know, I, I think we have an exciting company. We're an employee owned company too. Oh, uh, great. Employees own 30% of our company and, um, you know, and you just get that for being an employee and, um, you know, we, we are kind of aggressive in the way we like to go after technology and, and new ideas. So, you know, I, I think if I can just get in front of people and talk to people about what we do, you know, I feel like what we do is our best recruiting. You know, mm -hmm. if, if, you're yeah, in, yeah. if you're into anything geospatial, I probably have something that, that will fit you. You know, but getting the word out, you know, going to uh, Geo Week in Denver, having booths at like, um, you know, the different colleges at their career days and stuff. So, but I will tell you this, it is still difficult. It's very, very yeah. difficult. And, um, you know, you have to find the, you know, the different levels of people that are experienced, but also, you know, on moving up because you, it can get kind of stagnant if you come in and, and you all you do is click dots on on mm -hmm. lidar I, you know there's a there's a there's kind of an end to that in your career i think you know i think you need to progress into something else so it's always pushing for growth with our employees you know i need if hey you're going to start off as a chainman i need to get you to a party chief as quick as possible so here's some classes let's you know and this is how we push to develop our people or maybe it's hey i need another cad drafter so how, how good are you with computers, you know, on the side, on a slow day in the field, you want to come in and sit down and watch somebody, you know, so there's a lot of developing, you know, and trying to just find, we hire for character, you know, we go after mm -hmm. guys that, you know, I think, Hey, I don't know. I've never done that before. Well, uh, you know, we like you, 
you know, and are you willing to learn and yeah. take this ride with us? And then that's usually the guys that pan out more than the guy that comes in is like, I'm God's gift to surveying, you yeah. know, those, those guys, those guys never work out. <laughs> they never, never work yeah. out. Yeah. So I would much rather find somebody that's eager to learn and, and roll up their sleeves and, and want to build something, you know, that's, yeah. that's the way we see it. Yeah. Just because we talked to a bunch of uh, women last night. Yeah. Do you have any women surveyors? Mm -hmm. Yeah, actually, uh, you know, we had, um, we have a husband and wife survey team that's been surveying for 20 years awesome. together. Oh, and okay. the, the husband is the party chief, but the wife I've offered a party chief job to, and she just wouldn't take it. She wants to be, we, we call her an instrument, instrument man, but I said that's short for instrument human. Yeah. Right. Yeah, it's yeah. not it's instrument not person. Yeah. yeah. But instrument man, yeah. you know, it's yeah. instrument human, like a chain man. That's a that's a mm -hmm. chain human, is what I always said. Because, chain person. Yeah. So uh but she's she calls herself a chain man. I'm like, hey, if Rachel calls herself a chain man, then we're good. So yeah. um, no, yeah, uh, she's uh excellent, you know. And uh, we had a, a young lady that graduated from Oregon State and she thought she was gonna be a GIS person, but she did an intern with the Oregon DOT and Loveland Surveyor. So we hired her and she she was a, a chainman. And she came in for a while and did some GIS. And now she wants to come back to the survey department. So, you know, the field is for her, you know. So, yeah. And then obviously the GIS side, we have uh, plenty of uh, girls in there. And, sure. uh, and the LIDAR side too. So, but yeah, you're right. Uh, field surveying, you know, it takes a special woman. Yeah, uh, uh, I've I've seen them. I work with a couple of them, but mm -hmm. they're pretty rare. Yeah. Now, what's interesting is our our partner in India has fifty percent women in there. They they got about two hundred people doing lidar processing. That's all they do, yep. and uh, they got fifty women or uh, fifty percent women <clears throat> in their workforce. And um, yep. you know that is in an area where typically it's five percent women. So we're right. pretty we're pretty proud of that. Interesting. And and, and we like to think that you know. Uh, we at least had a part because they're exclusively, we're just keep sending them more and more work and they just yeah. keep having to hire. So, you know, it's, it's, it's a good thing. Yeah. And, and we're definitely in support of the diversity. I think that's one thing we've always enjoyed was diversity of, of not just people, but mind. Cause when you get diversity people, you get diversity of thinking. Mm -hmm. And that's really when the machine starts to, to reach efficiency. I think. Well, you yeah. taught you, you did a good job explaining like the different kind of skill sets for the different positions. And, yeah. you know, you need a broad spectrum of people from a lot of different backgrounds and personalities to, to meet that demand. I mean, it's just not one type of person. It's not a traditional survey shop where you, you know, you need a bunch of cowboys to go out there and hit points. I mean, it's right. And that's what we grew out of. I mean, that our CEO, he was actually an artillery surveyor in the Marines. Uh, he has some crazy stories because cool. he saw combat. He was behind enemy lines because when you're artillery surveyor, you're, you're setting asthmus behind mm -hmm. in, for, for the artillery. Well, that's yep. all into the target area so you know he you know he uh he kind of had that cowboy mentality and we all loved it you know and i think the surveyors love working for surveyors like that yeah you know mm -hmm. and i think that's why our field team is really strong turnover is the lowest i've ever been anywhere just because they know that it's kind of who they are it, it matches who they are but i think the other people that aren't cowboys in the company are just interested by the cowboys yeah. you know it's like what they're will intrigued they do? what will they do next <laughs> you know tell us more about these crazy stories you guys are doing mm. out in the field you know so i right. think it, it creates this 
you know, we have a lot of what we call lunch and learns between the departments where we go around and, and talk about what each department doing because yeah. it is goes hand in hand. The more you know about what this department's doing or that department, the more you might know how your product should relate to them, yeah. you know? So, yeah. Um, but yeah, we're kind of a team of like, normally a survey company would have probably f these four things split up and just do one of them, yeah. you know, but uh, we like the idea that they're all go together toward one common thing, which, you know, way we see it is, is power utilities. In sure. General. Yeah. Yeah. And that work's not going away. No, no. Yeah. That's pretty exciting. Um, what else? What else? Is there anything we uh, haven't got out that you want to want to talk about? Well, I'm really interested in where you see this is going. Um, you know, not necessarily from a company growth standpoint, but I mean, obviously there's a, there, there's a long runway for, for your group just yeah. based on all the, you know, everything you have to collect, but what do you see for the company like in the next five years? Well, one thing that we're, we're pretty excited with, and as I mentioned, our Indian team, you know, the main project they're working on is uh, helping with the autonomous vehicle uh, mm. market. Um, you know, they're, they're busy creating uh, basically kind of a dumbed down digital twin of all the roadways. Mm -hmm. They're doing it at a continent of a continent at a time oh and with LIDAR and they will extract all the roadway features. So what is happening is they're going to create this model that will go into the software for these cars that so they can drive themselves and they know exactly where, you know, down to, you know, LIDAR accuracy, the dips in the roads, you know, and uh, the the future I see is that these cars will have LIDAR built into them because they're going to use change detection basically comparing the model that they're collecting to the model that's mm -hmm. in their system. So it's constantly going to be updating. And then think about when 5G comes in, yep. where the cars will actually talk to each other. The 5G kind of full rollout where uh, my car senses a change in the system, it's going to relay it back to the car behind me, to the car behind it, you know, and, and yeah. so some point uh, auto dealer will probably become the largest holder of geospatial data in the world because they're, cars when you sign on the line that says i agree to the terms to let the car drive myself you're giving up all your data that they're collecting all the location data that they're going to be collecting yep. and i think you know that's when things will get really interesting in the big data world because they'll have real-time mapping at your fingertips probably a website where you could just go download a lidar model of the road in front of your house or something yeah you know? for I, sure you know that's where i think it's going and then ai you know obviously the more this AI can, can be trained. Um, man, I probably can't even think of all the ways that could be used, you know, really. There's, there's is your, do you have the perspective of your, you know, your, your partners in India? Are they nervous about the potential of where that's going? Mm, they seem super adaptive. I would say <laughs> they will figure out a way to make themselves a part of the process. You know? Okay. And I think, this is the, you know, people will be trying from, from what I've seen, technology just changes jobs. Yeah. Okay. Oh, that I completely agree with. Right. That. Yep. It doesn't, there's not just so many more people out of a job today because they got laptops. You know what I mean? Like, and I'm sure people thought, well, once you have a laptop, you can have half the workforce you used to have, you know, and it's like, yeah, not exactly. Well, I'm you know? pretty sure the guys that make CDs. Yeah. They thought found a gig <laughs> to, yeah. keep, to keep the yeah, you know, food on the table. You they know? went back to making records. Right? Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> no, they started Napster, those guys. <laughs> right. <laughs> 
Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, I think just like, uh, you know, we just can't fear technology. We have to harness it, you know, and I think I love it. You know, that's, that's what our company pushes for. for sure. Yep. hundred percent. Um, yeah. What, so you I like what you said there. So technology changes, what'd you say? You said technology it doesn't kill jobs. It just changes, changes them. Yeah. And then it's up to the people to adapt yeah. or get left behind. Sure. Basically. Yeah. Yeah. Oh yeah. Right. yeah. Because I mean, there's going to make robots that will do a lot of, you know, kind of, um, you know, factory type things, but there's still people that have to work on the robots, yep. you know? And I, and I think, you know, if I was going to have say how India will adapt, they will just start programming the robots, you know, they'll sure. be the ones yeah. programming the ghost in the machine, basically. Well, eventually someone's going to have to get the, you know, the, the people clicking the button a million times a day, like that's gonna, <laughs> it's gonna get replaced. But then you have people checking the robot that's clicking the button a million yeah. times. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. And all that's going to do is just increase the accuracy. And, yeah. and eliminate errors yeah, or reduce. Yeah, but it still all comes back down. What I love about it is it comes back down to geospatial fundamentals where, you know, the uh, true, uh, you know, garbage in, garbage out model where, yep. you know, the data you put into these fancy systems, uh, the product is only going to be as good as, as the quality of the product you're putting into mm. it. So, you know, good um, quality um, standard survey traditions and workflows, they still come into play, you know? So it's just like everything we do as a surveyor, you, you look toward the past and the future kind of at the same time while you're, you know, standing right here at the corner of your property line, you know? Yep. Well, absolutely. What else, what else you want to get out there? Oh, yeah. it's hot. It's hot as <laughs> hot here. Well, welcome to the furnace, buddy. Here. It's really hot. <laughs> you know, uh, maybe, I don't know. They say it's a dry heat, but it sure just felt like an oven either way. I don't yeah. know. Well, we've had a little moisture the last couple of days. Yeah, so yeah. humidity's up as yeah, well. Yeah, maybe I noticed a little more humidity mm -hmm. than I thought, you know. Yeah. Uh, there's a there's a hurricane coming. Yeah. Right to to your area. Yeah, too, yeah. Right? They, yeah California. We're supposed to get like two inches of rain on Sunday. God, that'd be awesome. Yeah. Yeah. So get ready for mudslides, you know. I mean oh, that's yeah. the way it works out there. Sure. So. Job security for you. Yeah. Well, you know, <laughs> you know, hey, yeah, we do get, we do a little dam monitoring. That was, those, sure. those are fun gigs out there. You know, water such a big deal in California, you know, so, yep. um, you know, the, uh, whatever, whatever gets thrown our way, we know there's a, probably a way to measure it. Right. There you go. So Love it. we're always looking for that, but no, it's, uh, the winter was really interesting in California. I think this was the wackiest winter in the 20 years I've been out there. <laughs> um, just, we had full on like full week of rain out, you know, of, five crews you know we have 11 yeah. crews and half of them got rained out well that takes a wow. chunk for a week that takes oh, a chunk sure. out of your revenue it, you know yeah. so well, the flip side of that is uh it's been 147 days since we've had measurable rain in phoenix oh, so wow. our crews don't get rained out this is monsoon be. season so <laughs> that's the way california used to be this was the first year really where i've had that many rain days so wow. there's something going on out there you know and i yeah. think uh you know, it's just uh, everything, like, you know, like you said, the veg management, everything growing back again, it'll all dry out again. Mm -hmm. And then you're right back to where you the started. Santa Ana winds kick up and we're back into fire season. So, right. yeah. Yep. Yeah. Yep. Exactly. Uh, all right. Well, we have a question we ask everybody at the end of the show. Do you have a mantra that you live by? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Think back to your punk rock days. Yeah. I was going to say that. Like, who would, what would 20 years ago you say? Some of these songs, I oh, yeah, it's, no, it's, it's listed the, right here. It's a uh, uh, chicken hawk yeah. or uh, revolution comes from within. That's a pretty Ooh, good one. That's yeah. a good one. Fade to brown. Fade to brown. <laughs>
Oh, I want to see the lyrics to that one. Inside, you have to open it up. I got the lyrics. Uh, oh, like, man. Uh, hey, well, I'd have to go to a Mighty Mighty Boston's uh, album title called Question the Answers. I felt like that's oh, always been my, that. uh, my mantra through the years because, uh, you know, remember when adults would just lock things off and they'd be just like, because I said so, you know, and they'd have an answer and it's just like, that is the worst answer ever. I hate that, you know? And yeah. I, so I, I, I do say as we go into, you know, the future, as we go into uh, areas of unknown, I always have my people, hey, if I tell you something and you don't know that this is right or yeah. why did I say that, question me, please. Yep. You know, make me explain myself. You'll yeah. find out that there's something to it, you know? And so that's that's always been kind of my mantra. It's probably got me in trouble about as much as it's done me good, though. You know, so there's certain people you cannot uh, question the answers to. My uh, my dad was a big because I said so kind of guy. I should have that tattooed on me, actually. Yeah. <laughs> That's awesome. <laughs> All right. Sean, anything else, buddy? No, no, man. This has been awesome. It's been a great, uh, great, great conversation. I love the the. Especially the timeliness of what we're talking about. Absolutely. All the, all the tech that goes into it, man. Sure. It's, a, it's a lot of good stuff. Really appreciate for it. For sure. Dennis, here. thanks for being here. This has been great. Appreciate it. Really appreciate you, uh, talking to you guys. making the effort to come in studio. Yeah. Oh, Always yeah. a good time. Yeah. I hope to come back sometime. Love to have you. All right. Adding value and making friends. There we are. Like two nights in a row. Right. Uh, if anyone would like to be a guest on a future show, shoot us an email at info at the Be sure to follow us on Instagram, Facebook. Join our LinkedIn group. We'd love to have you. The Misfits London Dungeon. We got to look at those. London Dungeon. What is that all about? Yeah. Available everywhere. Until next time, everyone. Revolution comes from within. The uh, next top 10 punk rock hit. Question the answers. Love that. Most importantly, be safe and healthy.